Well, did you survive the snowstorm? Wow. Uh, raise your hand if you have enough bread <laughs> to feed the entire Tahoma uh, starting football team, the varsity team. That's crazy. What are you guys worried about? <laughs> like all of the gluten in the entire county is gone. And then I went to get gas because we have a, 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 rent -a, right, a rental car because our car got swiped for the three times. I've lived here for one year. My car's been hit three times. One of them was my fault. But, uh, <laughs> but I went to get gas, and they were out of premium and medium gas. So I'm, I'm cheap anyway. I got the cheap stuff, but it's crazy. So I'm glad you survived. And not to make, make light of it because I'm a California guy. I'm a West Coast guy. And uh, Cheryl and I, as you know, we... Uh, met UC Davis, and we went to school uh, in Pasadena Seminary, Fuller Seminary, so we're in Southern California. We say, God, send us wherever you want, and he took us up on that, and we went to Minnesota, uh, and the first snowstorm, it was <laughs> probably um, late September, early October, because winters, this is a spring day in Minnesota. Winter is like seven months long, and there's ice. Does anyone have ice still? Do you have ice in your front? And you're supposed to put salt on where there's ice, right? So I got the table salt. <laughs> it's salt. That's not good. <laughs> Honey, we need more salt. So, and then God's great humor, we were trying to come west because uh, we were there for nine years. I thought that we kind of did winter. And then he sent us to Maryland. And a year and a half ago, we had three feet of snow. So this is nothing. This is nothing. Okay, let's continue our series in Genesis uh, titled The Gospel in the Beginning. In the beginning, God, God's rescue plan and restoration plan are, are found in the very first pages of Scripture. So now if you're just joining us, uh, if you haven't been in the series, Genesis, the book of Genesis can be divided into two main parts. The, the first part we're wrapping up today, uh, part one is chapters one through 11, the story of God and and the whole world. And next week, we start part two with the hinge passage, uh, the very beginning of chapter 12. And that takes us from chapter 12 all the way through chapter 50. And that's about Abraham and Sarah and their family and their descendants and God's mission to rescue and restore his whole creation. So last week, we looked at the story of Noah and the flood. Uh, David did a fantastic job. He walked through, what, six chapters of, of Scripture. I only have nine verses today. I don't know how that, how does that work? It, it pays to be the, the lead pastor. Okay, so he, he covered a lot, and I just want to cover a little bit more of what he covered, even though he covered it. So, so okay, give me a little indulgence. Chapter 5 and chapter 10, they bookend the story of Noah. In both chapter 5 and chapter 10 have uh, genealogies, as David told us last week. These are genealogies. They're, they're lists of descendants, lists of, of peoples and tribes that can be traced back to Noah's sons. One line of, of that, those descendants end up here in our story today, in the plains of Shinar, in, in what will be called Babel, and, and one day will be Babylon. The other line of descendants uh, from the sons of, of Noah will continue through. They will be called by God, 
And they will wind up where? In the promised land, in Israel. So, so one family line, and one's defined by defining for themselves good and evil on their own terms. Ever since that first piece of fruit was taken, they're going to define good and evil on their own terms, and they're going to suffer horrible consequences as a result. The other line, starting with Abraham and Sarah, chosen by God, and, and the Lord promises to them this, quote, from Genesis 12, 2, I will, the Lord says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So here we see it again and again, the, the result of our choices and the result of God's plan playing out on the pages of Scripture. Now, the Tower of Babel is a long time before uh, this family tree split. This is a time when the world is combined and the whole world has one language. Not only do they speak the same tongue, look at verse 1. It says they shared common speech. What does that, what does that mean? It means they had the same language, but then common vernacular was, was also shared. I mean, they understood each other's slang. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, everyone would know what you were saying. That this is before there, there are multiple languages. This is even before there are accents, y'all. Let's try to work on, on the, uh, Rob just showed me a look, y'all. The story, the story, if you know your Bible, it's out of chronological order. Because remember, chapter 10, it ends with a, a table or a list of nations. We're not just talking about a few people. We're talking about nations are listed out. And then we have this story. So it's out of chronological order. And that's to make a point of the big theme of the book of Genesis, if you're taking notes. And here it is. The gospel in the beginning is God's rescue of people and restoring of his creation from the foolish, sinful fallenness of humanity. God's plan is playing out here. God's plan and the dumb choices that people make. Now look at verse 2 with me. Notice this, this, this little detail. It says, The people moved eastward, and they, they found a plain of Shinar and settled there. Now, just a, a little detail here. There's a geographical anchor we, we can figure out, this place isn't there anymore, but we can sort of figure out where that is geographically. But also, if you have your own Bible, underline eastward. D does eastward ring a bell so far in our study of Genesis? When Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, where were they sent? East of Eden. And, and when Cain disobeyed God and took his brother's life, uh, what was the name of the city that, that, that he founded? It's a clue. The, the city of Nod, right? And where was that? It was, it was in the east. Track with me. And then when Abraham, we're going to get to this later, when Abraham and Lot decide to, to split ways, these two brothers are going to split ways, and Abraham says to, to Lot, says, well, you pick. And, and, and where does Lot go? He looks out, he sees this beautiful land, and where does he head? Eastward. So, so according to the Bible, moving east is bad, and moving west is good. <laughs> that, that, that just, that's just good theology. 
So anyway, it says the people settled on a plain. It's very, very flat. It's as flat as Houston, Texas. Hey, Rob, how flat is Houston, Texas? Houston, Texas is so flat, you can watch your dog run away for three days. <laughs> Y'all. <laughs> well, tell me the other one. What's the, how, how, how flat is Houston, Houston's Texas? Houston's so flat, you can stand on a tree stump and see Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where they settle, on this plain. And this settlement eventually becomes the city of Babylon, and they come up with this bright idea, this, this cutting-edge new technology. What is it? It's a kind of brick. It's a new kind of brick and mortar to build buildings. Now, remember, the first audience to the book of Genesis uh, were, were Jews, Jewish people. They were descendants of those Hebrew slaves that spent 400 years in Egypt. And what did their ancestors do for 400 years? Bake brick. These people know a thing or two about bricks, don't they? And so there's a little bit of irony here as they're hearing uh, this story through Moses. Oh, yeah, that cutting-edge technology, and we'll see how that works out. And now we come to verse 4, which is really the, the heart of the story. I'll read it. Then they said, come, let's build our, ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now, now you see, the people had, had two big desires in this one verse. Two desires. And each has, has an uh, expressed purpose. Desire, expressed purpose, desire, and expressed purpose. So number one says they wanted to build themselves a city. A, a safe place to live, a city with, with walls, with protection to, to keep out the, the outsiders, right? It's, makes sense. I, the, the sun comes up in the morning, you, you look, make sure the coast is clear, you, you head out of the city, and you farm, or you, you gather, or you hunt, and then you, you come back inside and close the doors because it's safe inside. Their express purpose for, for building the city is what? Quote, otherwise... We will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So, so they expressly say it's about not wanting to be scattered, but we could kind of imply from that there's a sense of security, of protection. And the other thing that they, they attempt to do is, is to build a tower that'll reach to the heavens. I mean, literally reach to the heavens? I mean, uh, the, the, the highest... Um, at that time, well, 600 B.C., the ziggurat in Babylon was thought to be about 300 feet tall. That's, that's hardly a skyscraper, is it? But, but, but there's this idea of a tower that, that would reach to the heavens, that they could somehow commune with, with the gods, they could somehow be like God. There's, there's a religious overtone here. But, but look at the text. We have to stick with what the text says. We don't want to depart from it. Let's not read into it. The text says so that we can make a name for ourselves. That's why. Now, whoever thought of building a city with a tower being the most important aspect of that city, Lance? I mean, whoever thought that that would be the most important thing that a city's known for, a big tower? No, this is, this is, okay, you get it. Yeah, my, my mother-in-law just said, we get it, Pete, we get it. <laughs> Trying to be relevant, Mom. Space Needle. Oh. Okay, 
Is there anything wrong with building a city? No. Is there anything wrong with necessarily building a, a tower? I mean, if they're on a plane, they're up high, they can, they can look out, they can see Oklahoma. If they're coming their way, that's... In these ancient people, we can see ourselves. Can't we? What do they want so bad that they're willing to pour so many resources into it? They want protection and they want praise. Their their pride-filled hearts are the same as ours, the same as yours, same as mine. The city and the tower are outward expressions of an inward sin, of, of missing the mark glory of God, missing what it is to to live a flourishing life as God has designed them. The love of protection, and we desire protection, don't we? Security, safety, all the bread in the world when the snow comes, and the love of praise. We we crave to make a name for ourselves. So what is their sin? You you know their sin because it's the same that that you commit and and I commit. Do you know it? Is it just me? Do you speak this language? Are you fluent in this language? I, I know I am. I know we can even get the nuance of the language because I'm fluent in pride of of self-preservation and praise, unless I'm only speaking for myself. You make plans, you bubble wrap your most precious desires in your heart, and no matter your personality, no matter whether you're an introvert or extrovert, wherever you are in all those personality tests, we never want to lose face, right? Maybe we all don't want to be the superstar up front in front of the spotlights, but we never want to look bad. We never want to be put down. We want to be thought well of. We want to protect our reputation. And that motivates us, doesn't it? It drives us. Ever since the playground, when they're choosing sides, that's deep within us. Choose me. Choose me. Growing up in Oakland, California, I was always picked first on basketball court. And the team always regretted it because I... That's my vertical right there. And these two desires, they, they both stem from pride, which is, which is really the, the very root of all sin. They drive us. They motivate us. And when those plans for, for protection or for praise, when those plans are threatened in any way, we freak out. But you see, if you're walking with Jesus, you know, there's a conflict, isn't there? There's a conflict because we're to, to have faith and we're to trust and obey Jesus and he impacts both of those two great loves in our hearts of what we really want. And that's often the conflict. Friends, protecting you and yours alone and going about making a name for yourself apart from God's will is an exercise in futility. 
These folks said to one another, we're going to build a city on the plain. We can see for miles and miles. We'll be the envy of everybody. We'll be strong. We'll have the best bricks in the neighborhood. And so they loved personal security, and they loved human praise. This is not the will of God for human flourishing, then or now. The Lord God alone is to receive all the glory and all the honor and all the fame. We are designed to reflect God's glory and to trust God. That tower represented man's desire for so much praise that they could be like God. And what was that walled city all about? That walled city was an outright violation of the very command of God, spoken in Genesis 1.28, reiterated again after the flood. You think we would all learn our lesson. There are only eight people left alive. 9 verse 1, where the Lord God said, Plain as day, in a language we can all understand, he said, Be fruitful, increase, and fill the earth. It means spread out. Don't huddle up. That's the will of the creator. Their insecurity led them to build a city so that they wouldn't have to spread out, so that they wouldn't have to, to risk. And that tower would let them see for miles and miles. And so they marshaled all of their resources. They worked together to achieve a new world order until the Lord God said, no, no. Stop. It's over. Because God knew what horrible consequences would be if they continued. Look at verse 5. But the Lord God came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. I love that. I love that it says they're, they're building. They think they're master builders. And they're just building away with all their great technology. And then the great builder with a capital B comes down and, and checks things out and kind of looks and sees what they're building. God always loves to look down and see what his children are building. Oh, that's a nice sandcastle. The tide is coming. Go ahead, keep, keep going. Verse 6 and 7, the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, that nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down. Let us go down. Trinitarian. Let us go down, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord God says this has to stop. Now, make no mistake about it. God's not threatened at this point. The Almighty is not confused oh, what am I going to do? God knew what the city builders did not know. Left unchecked, their sinful pride for glory and security would end up being a nightmare. And God also knew the negative consequences of that rescue plan that's just about to unfold in the next chapter. The very next chapter, we have this incredible scene of chapters 1 through 11, and all of humanity, all the world spiraling down and then God's plan begins with one family. Many of you have plans that are being messed up. Maybe your plans for this weekend are messed up. I hear that there's another storm coming this week. 
But no, I'm serious. You, you have plans, and they're being messed up. And they're, they're plans for your, yourself and for your family, for a loved one. You've invested time and energy in, and it's looking shaky. It's looking like the tide's coming in. And, and, you, and some of us, I'll say some of us, feel like, like God's always messing up with your plans. Like, like, can't we have any nice things? I mean, I, I did a good job. Is it okay to, to get a little praise at work? And yet it seems like God's coming down and, and he's messing with your stuff. Why? Because he loves you? Because he loves you? Because he knows some of the ways you pursue protection and praise, not all of them, but some of them, are dumb. I mean, okay, sorry. The Bible calls them foolish, stupid, short-sighted. I'm putting myself on that list. Praise God he doesn't answer all of our prayers. Can, can anyone, as Rob would say, testify to that? The dumb ways that we try to, to save ourselves. No one here can build a tower high enough to reach heaven. That's not the gospel. The Babel solution to problems, the Babel pursuit of passions, that's one choice. That's one way you can go. That's one way our church could go. More people, incredible glorious uh, gifting and generosity of this congregation financially. We can go that way. Come up with a plan. Or we can go the other way of trusting the Lord. And it's a harder way. Sometimes we have to listen. We have to listen. Lord, where would you have us go? Do you want us to head, head east or west or, or stay put? Where do you want us to go? That is the way of the promised land. That is the way of God's people. That is the biblical solution of the pursuits we're to take on and the way we're to invest our resources, Lord, here's what you've given to me and to us as a people. We're listening. Do we want to go to a Babel solution or a promised land solution? God's will for human beings is that we not find our joy in being praised, but that we find our joy in knowing and praising God. God's will is that we not find our security behind walls, but that we find our security in Christ in whom we trust and obey. Our lack of faith, our unwillingness to risk, our misdirected loves and likes make us do things that wind up hindering the spiritual flourishing, the spiritual formation that God has for us. To know God more, more deeply, to, to experience love more completely and to, to live life more fully. It's to the glory of God. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death, to destruction. And so back to our story, God confused their language and they scattered and they stopped building the city. And God's purposes in spreading human beings continues exactly as he had ordained. 
And so we see again and again the pattern of, of grace and sin and judgment and more grace. And that's the pattern that we see throughout Genesis. And we see God's promises and the promised land begin to, to come into focus next week in the, the electing of a family of Abraham and Sarah. And that it's through their descendants God promised to bless the nations. And one of their descendants, one family line, will go and lead to Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus of Nazareth will fulfill all of God's promises in the flesh. All of God's promises in Christ are yes and amen. And Jesus will form his church. And he will call us to be disciples and sent ones to make disciples of where? Of all the nations. And in the end, the divided people, all those divided peoples, all those tribes and nations, it's all just multifaceted opportunity to glorify God. More diversity, not less. In spite of it, no, because of it, because God has allowed for this great diverse world to form, he will have a worldwide global church. That is the gospel. And his gospel, imbued with his power, went out on Pentecost Sunday. And how many were converted? 3,000 in one telling of the good news. Some of them thought that they were drunk and pure. said, no, no, no. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. But men and women heard the gospel in language they could understand. They articulated a message. It wasn't old and dusty or I've heard it years ago. No, it was spoken in a way they could easily understand and they were transformed by that gospel and that church was formed and sent forth and now we're in a time and an age where every language spoken on this planet will soon, by 2033 is the prediction, translations of the Bible in every language spoken on God's green earth. That's a beautiful thing. But that's not as beautiful as what's coming very soon. In the end, north, south, east, and west will come. And look at this passage, Revelation 5, 9 and 10. We're going to end on this. We're almost there. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God Persons from every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them to be the kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Who's getting all the praise? Jesus. Who's getting all the fame? Jesus. The banner over the people is Jesus. He is worthy of all praise. And then Revelation 7, 9 to 10, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every what? Nation, say it with me, nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All praise will go to Jesus in Revelation 21, we see the great city, the new Jerusalem coming down, the holy city. And that's a city that's perfectly symmetrical, and it's surrounded by a giant wall, a big, beautiful wall. But you know what? There are 12 gates in that wall, in that walled city. And the Bible says in Revelation 21, none of them will ever be shut again. Wide open, because there's no more night. There's no more fear. Verse 26, the glory of honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever, be, will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, 
but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Let's pray. Oh Lord God, I pray our names, everyone here, that our names are written in that book. We'll see in just a moment how great the chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb, we couldn't build a tower high enough. Yet in desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. And then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. God, we pray, I pray right now that you would do a work in people's hearts right now that are really feeling threatened by those things that we hold dear and are really feeling maybe even some conviction about the ways that they pursue praise from others. And, and God, we just want to lay that before you and, and, and stand to sing of a new way that's only by your grace. And if there are some people that contacted me this morning that said they felt guilty that they couldn't get to church, and I thought, oh, no, 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 dear saint, don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel that shame. Don't carry that burden. It's been carried for you and paid for at the cross. All of it, all of it, all of it. To come, but, but even now to receive what could be true of freedom and love. Let's stand together to sing. Thank you.